Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning for Every Day is Earth Day. Today we are interviewing Dr. Lauren McPhillips. She is with the Institute of Energy and the Environment at Penn State University. And an interesting topic we are going to be discussing is about all the heavy rainfall that we've been having in all of our American cities from coast to coast. And as the climate change has intensified those storms, many municipalities are updating their stormwater management approaches and are also thinking about how to design more resilient cities. Dr. Lauren McPhillips has been doing some research on this and she will discuss some of those topics. Good morning, Lauren. Hello, nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Now, your background is in civil and environmental engineering, correct? Yeah, it's actually a bit of a hybrid background. I started more in earth science and soils and water, but then realized that a lot of the capacity for thinking about solutions was in the engineering realm. And so I moved into that. And so my training has crossed a bunch of different areas as I've thought about where the ability was to make a lot of impact. Okay. One of the things you look at is infrastructure in like a city, the water systems, the storm water and all those sorts of things, which isn't really a sexy topic, so to speak, but a very important one that we don't think about because it's just there. So how have the changes in the frequency and intensity of the storms affected the community's infrastructure needs in terms of dealing with water and that sort of thing? So when we design our stormwater infrastructure, probably the first thing that people are thinking about is storm sewers, these pipes under the ground in cities that are moving that water from being up on the street and causing flooding that would stop us from being able to walk or drive around. And when we design those sewer pipes, we're sizing them for a certain size storm event. So for example, it might be the amount of rain that comes on average every two years. But now, that size rainstorm is coming more often. And on top of that, we have in a lot of areas been building out our cities more. And so adding more hard surfaces is meaning that when the rain hits those surfaces, that turns into runoff and it can't soak into the ground. And so the confluence of climate change and more hard surfaces is leading to more frequency that we're overwhelming the capacity that our systems were designed with. I've noticed even lately when we've had some of those more dramatic rainfalls and that sort of things, there, you'll be going and the streets will be flooded. And whereas before they used to be able to run down the, the storm sewer and you could even see manholes that blow their cover and have water spurting out. So we clearly aren't prepared for this. So how do you adapt or retrofit, I would, I guess you'd have to say, for dealing with this? So you can imagine that it would be really hard to completely replace these pipes to be larger, and that would be costly, right? Mm -hmm. So another key thing that we're thinking about, especially in older cities that developed a while ago before we realized these many different challenges, is to go in and retrofit in features that can help us hold back the stormwater. And so what I'm talking about here is things like a rain garden, or it could be like a detention pond. What these things all have in common is there's some sort of feature 
that is like a depression in the ground that is capturing water that's running off of these hard surfaces like a roof or a parking lot and it's slowing it down and maybe even soaking it back into the ground so that it doesn't even get into the storm sewer system at all. But at the least, we're slowing it down so that we're not overwhelming that pipe capacity right away. And then we're potentially even treating it as well in these kind of features and providing other benefits. And so whatever we can do to keep the water out of our storm sewer systems to begin with is a key way from preventing them from getting overwhelmed in these big storm events. And I have noticed the community has been doing that more. We're in Mankato, Minnesota, which is a city of about 50,000, and see a lot more rain gardens and more green spaces and that sort of thing, which I'm sure they're adapting to that. The other issue with a lot of our water pipes and those sorts of things is they're aging, and so some of them are bursting because of rust and that sort of thing. So is that another opportunity to replace with some new type of system or how do we adjust to that? Yeah, absolutely. The The issue of aging infrastructure is a challenging one. And so cities may be doing big replacement efforts when they have the financial resources, but often it's more of like responding to the problem, or maybe they have a sense of where some of these older pipes are and, and are trying to target those. But if you're having to go through the process of digging things up, they are taking these opportunities to update where possible. And so in some cases, this may also mean trying to also put in a rain garden and build that into the infrastructure system. So if you're already digging up all the soils and having to change the pipes, maybe you can change the capacity for a section, but you can also build in these abilities to store and hold back water as well. As our communities expand, which they are growing greatly, they're taking more and more farmland. And Minnesota has some very, very, very rich farmland, just beautiful soil. And so the community keeps spreading out and we keep getting more hard bases, uh, landscape and that sort of thing. So how is that affecting the movement of the water too? And we also are surrounded by a bunch of lakes. So it all kind of somehow ties together, but it's all kind of a mess as well. Yeah, so anytime we're adding hard surfaces, whether it's driveways, roads, buildings, we're keeping the rain from being able to soak into the ground like it used to. A lot of new development generally requires there to be some kind of stormwater management where a new subdivision would have to put in some type of features to be holding back and slowing down that water. But I would say we also have some opportunities for rethinking the way that we're planning development. If we can reduce the amount of hard surface, like densify a bit and build, you know, three story housing instead of just a lot of single family homes that are kind of more spread out. I know everybody's not excited about this, but thinking about those opportunities to reconsider how we're developing and preserve more of the existing natural, healthy soils and landscape is also another important thing to think about. One thing I mentioned is we are surrounded by lakes. Minnesota is the state of 10,000 lakes, and so we've got a lot around here as well. What are the pollution risks associated with some of this storm water runoff, and how is that impacting us, and how can we prevent that? Yeah, so the challenge with urban stormwater runoff is that it does tend to have a cocktail of different kinds of pollutants. So for one, we think of driving around on roads and the fact that we have to replace our tires periodically. 
where is that rubber going? It's turning into tiny bits that's ending up in stormwater. And so that's microplastics, but it can also have chemicals in it that can be uh, have negative effects on fish. There's also metals that are shed off of our brakes and roofs. And so that, again, can affect organisms like fish and their ability to think about where they're moving around to. Some other things of interest are nutrients and sediments. They can come from just dust and exhaust, but even things like fertilizers. And so this whole cocktail is something we have to think about as we're designing different solutions that can treat some of this water before it is ending up in downstream lakes and streams. Wow, I haven't thought about things like little rubber peeling off and where it, where it goes. You know, that that is something that doesn't come to mind. Like you're not thrown out the window, but it's there and builds up. So how do you integrate the stormwater solutions with natural watersheds then? Yeah, so these different types of nature-based solutions that we're starting to use more for stormwater management, things like rain gardens that leverage the power of plants and soils, as we hold back the water, we're also able to treat it. And so when stormwater is able to soak through soils in a rain garden and been taken up by plants before ending up downstream to a lake or stream, we're able to remove a lot of these different types of pollutants. So we study how well metals are retained in soils or even taken up by plants or how well nutrients are removed. And in a lot of different types of designs, like for rain gardens, we can remove the majority of sediment. And in a lot of cases, the majority of these metals, some things can be a little bit more tricky, like different types of nutrients. But this is something where we're constantly trying to think about how to do better in these designs and treat this diverse range of pollutants that we may be dealing with. When you've got those rain gardens, they're great. They collect all this stuff. And then what do you do with all this stuff in there? Because doesn't that build up to a point where you got to do something with that? Like yeah, they- great question. So we've looked at how fast things like the metals can accumulate in the soils. And it actually takes quite a long time before they can get to be toxic levels. So at some point, we do need to consider refreshing the soils uh, so that they can continue to have this capacity to retain pollutants. But it takes literally decades in most cases to get to a level that would be concerning. With plants, we tend to often cut them out each year. And so in that way, we're also removing some of the the pollutants and nutrients out of the system so they don't become available again. What, What happens to those? Do they go in a landfill or where does that mess go? Generally, landfilling in a lot of cases, which is not a perfect solution, but in a lot of cases, the key thing is getting it away from this location where we're literally sending water right down into our groundwater or into the receiving lake. And so where it's in a location that is not having so much water running through it, it's it's less of a concern. So for individuals listening to you and, you know, storm sewers and that sort of thing is large scale. Can we make a difference with in our own yards to prevent the stuff from going down the storm sewer in the first place that causes some of these major problems? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in a house that was built decades ago before there were any rules for stormwater management happening in our neighborhood. And I'm on a slope and I observe that water ends up in my neighbor's yard when it rains a lot. And so 
I built a little rain garden. I built it myself. And there's actually great resources out there from, for example, you know, University of Minnesota Extension probably has some and other state extension and outreach organizations have a lot of resources on how you could even build your own rain garden. You excavate a little depression near where your downspout comes or your driveway drains and can improve the soils there and plant a diverse range of plants. And so I can watch the water all accumulating there and soaking through. I watch the bees fluttering around the bee balm and echinacea that I had growing there. The other thing that we have that is in some ways simpler is just putting a rain barrel on your downspout. So I have some little gardens. I have two rain barrels. I can use that water to water my gardens. And that water is now prevented from just going down down my driveway or eventually into the street. And so these little things feel like they don't make a lot of a difference, but think about it at scale. If everybody did it, it would remove all of that water from just running down into the storm sewer. So is that what green stormwater infrastructure is what you mean? We're using plant-based and natural things versus more pipes and, and water cleaning facilities? Exactly. So the green connotation kind of has a few different meanings. In one, it's just thinking about leveraging the power of vegetation, but it is just generally thinking about more environmentally friendly practices. So even though a rain barrel doesn't have vegetation, it still is one way that we're helping the water stay in place. And and that's also seen as an environmentally friendly practice because we're preventing it from racing downstream and, and, and filling up the storm sewer system. Is there something we can do, talk to our legislators or anything to make sure our communities are doing these sorts of things or some resource we could refer to? Yeah, so there's action possible at all different kinds of levels. To start with, you can look at your local community. They often have ordinances related to stormwater management requirements with new development. They may even have things incentivizing homeowners to do retrofits, sometimes local municipalities or local nonprofits who are interested in environmental issues may also host things like a rain barrel workshop. If that's not happening and you want to see these things, then then advocate it. Talk to your local representatives in your town. At the state level, you know, there are requirements there related to stormwater management and I'm not familiar with some of the specifics in Minnesota. I know that they do tend to be more progressive in this realm. So so again, you could understand a little bit more about what the current requirements are and again, advocate with your local representation if you think that they are not adequate. And if you don't feel able to judge whether or not they are adequate, there's a lot of folks also doing research in this realm in Minnesota that have a lot of expertise in that realm, and there may be some more resources there. We are talking with Dr. Lauren McPhillips, who is an assistant professor at Penn State's University's Institute of Energy and the Environment. Is there a resource, a place, a website we can go to to learn more about some of the things we've been talking about with green infrastructure? I don't know that there's one exact website that I can point you to, but I would say if you were to say Google Rain Garden University Extension, that would probably get you to some great resources from either your own state or other university extension organizations. These are outreach organizations that are pulling 
the best knowledge from our colleges and getting it out there to be applied in the community. And so they often have a lot of great resources. Our Penn State extension has a bunch of videos and fact sheets about how you can learn to implement some of these practices yourselves. Have you done any research that in relation to this that we could check out or look at as well? Yeah, so my website is sites.psu.edu backslash stormwater. And I have done a whole host of research related to different ways we're managing stormwater and understanding how well they are working. So understanding the water quality benefits of different soils selection or plant selection and so and and a whole bunch of other types of research in kind of the ecological engineering and nature-based solutions space. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for your time. We've been talking with Dr. Lauren McPhillips with Penn State University. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.